Awesome. Amen, guys. I, today I want to talk about, um, and I, I preach about this at our church, the image that you have of God and how the image that you have of God defines um, your relationship with him, defines the kind of relationship that, you ha that you'll have with him. Um, and today I want to move on from the image that you have of God to the image you have of yourself. Anybody with me today? Because the image you have of God is definitely important. And I think that's, that's one of the most important things in your journey with Jesus Christ. In your own personal relationship with God. One of the most important things is um, to define and to know, to have this clear image of who God is. Not based on what you've heard of him. Not based on what other people have said of him. But based on who he is and what he says about himself. Because the kind of image, picture, vision that you have of God will define how far you go in your relationship with him. The kind of relationship you have with him. How far you go with your divine God calling. You understand what I'm saying, church? You understand what I'm saying? Because oftentimes the image that we built of God is not the accurate image of who God actually is. I don't know if you ever stopped to think about this. Because oftentimes, what is our reaction towards God? We, you know, I found myself doing this too, running away from God. Why? Why is it sometimes that you run away from God? Why is it sometimes that you worry? Why is it sometimes that you go in a season of um, anxiety and stress and you're overwhelmed with all of those feelings? Why is it that sometimes you're carrying, you're still carrying on your shoulders this weight of sin, the weight of condemnation, the weight of guilt and fear and shame? Well, simply because you don't have an accurate picture of who God is. That he removes our guilt. That he removes fear. That there is no fear in his perfect love. It's what the Bible says. That his perfect love removes all fear. You know, there's this passage in Peter, cast all your anxieties upon Jesus for he cares for you. So oftentimes we're holding on to anxieties, we're holding on to stress, we look at circumstances, instead of trusting God, we don't because we have a wrong picture of him. So that's why I, I, I preach about this before at our church and I preach it here. Um, and if you weren't here, you can always check our podcast. It's all free, you can access it anytime. Um, and, and I preach about this, that so many times we have this one picture of God. You know, we, we believe God is holy. We believe God is righteous. We believe God is just. And those are all true attributes of who God is. But that's not all he is. Because so many times we are faced with the holiness of God. And in the light of his perfect righteousness, we see our filth and our sin. And what do we feel? We feel condemned. And we hide from him. Just like Adam hid from God. Why? Because he had sinned. God was calling out for Adam. In the book of Genesis, I don't know if you remember the story. Adam was hiding from God. Oftentimes we're like Adam. Why? Because we've met the righteousness of God. We've met the holiness of God. But we haven't met the kindness of God. The love of God. The forgiveness of God through Christ. You understand what I'm saying, church? So it's very important that from time to time, you filter the kind of image that you have of God. From time to time, you, you got to go to scripture and filter the picture that you've built of God through what God actually says he is. You understand what I'm saying? You guys with me? Don't scare me. 
So from time to time, you got to filter the picture that you have of God. And, and how do we build pictures? How do we build this image of God? Well, the image that you have of God is built on what you have accepted as true about him. It doesn't mean it's true. You've accepted as true. You understand what I'm saying? Like everything that the image that you've constructed of who God is that dictates how you relate to him is based on things you've accepted as true about him. But he doesn't mean they are true. So sometimes you've got to filter the things you believe. Sometimes you've got to filter the things you hear about God. You understand what I'm saying? Now, today that's not what I want to talk about. I needed to mention, I really needed to mention this because that's the first step. That's the most important step. What is the image you have of God? But the second thing is, what is the image you have of you? Of yourself? What's the picture you have of yourself? What are the things you've accepted as true about yourself? You don't mean they're true. It doesn't mean they're true. But what are the things you've accepted as fact over your life? Actually, I don't know if you know, there's this huge discrepancy between what is fact and what is true. And I don't know if you know, true always trumps fact. Let me explain what I mean. Sometimes we receive a bad report. Sometimes it's a bill that has come in the mail that you're not expecting. Sometimes it's a doctor report. Sometimes it's a fact about a broken relationship. Sometimes it's a horrible fact, but it's a fact. Right? A fact is something tangible, real, that's happening, that's occurring. It's not a lie. It's not fantasy. It's a fact. But the truth of God always trumps fact. The truth is he is our doctor. He is our provider. He is our father. And he is caring for us. That is the truth. And that the, the fact is maybe we've done something wrong and we've messed up and we feel the, the, the shame of our sin. Maybe we feel the guilt of our sin. Maybe we feel the condemnation for what we've done. But the truth is that trumps the fact that you are forgiven. That Christ has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. That, that he has taken upon his shoulder your sins, therefore all the consequences that followed your sins. Hence the, the condemnation, the guilt, the punishment for them, the shame. Jesus Christ carried upon his shoulder on the cross. That is the truth of God. So let me just ask you the question again. What are the things, the facts that aren't true but you have accepted as truth over your life? Because the first thing that will pretty much dictate how you will relate to God is the image you have of him. But the second thing that will dictate how far you'll go in this relationship with him, how far you go in this journey with Christ, right? Um, how far you go in, in the things that God has called you to do is based on the image you have of yourself. What is the image you have of yourself? What is the picture you've built about yourself? Because a lot of times the image of the picture we built about ourselves has nothing to do with the picture that God has of you. Let me repeat that. Oftentimes the picture you've built about yourself has nothing to do, nothing to do with the picture that God has of yourself, with how God sees you. So what do we need to do? We need to throw out the, 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 the image that we build up ourselves and switch perspectives and gain God's image of ourselves. 
The question then is, what does God say about you? What does God think about you? What are his plans for you? Those are the real questions that we must answer if we wish to build a strong, solid relationship with God. If we wish to go far in this journey with Christ. If we wish to do all the things that God has set for us to do before the foundation of this world. You understand what I'm saying, church? We need to switch perspectives. We need to understand how he sees us and his picture for us and what are his plans towards us. And it's interesting because scripture talks about those things and it's loud and clear. You guys with me this morning. And I want to I lead us to this passage in the book of Job chapter 3. And this is really interesting. I don't know if you know the story of Job, but it's, it's a quite peculiar story. Um, he's a very successful person. Job, right? He was a real person to exist. He was a very successful person, uh, very rich, very wealthy, full of health. He had a wife and had a bunch of, uh, of kids. And he was a very known person in his community. Um, and he also loved God. He feared God. He was a righteous man. He walked in the ways of God. He was very careful to observe that his life was in accordance to the purpose of God for him. And then at one point, it's interesting, the Bible describes this conversation that the devil has with God. The devil approaches God and says, look, I have an accusation against Job. I think he praises you and he walks in your ways and he loves you just because he's blessed. If you remove his blessings, he'll stop praising you. God was like, no, he won't. The devil was like, no, yeah, he will. Yeah, well, and then God was like, all right, I will let you, devil, touch everything he possesses, touch everything he owns, but don't touch his life. That's exactly what happened to Job. The devil touched everything he possessed, everything he owned. He lost his house, he lost his children, he lost his health, he lost everything, everything. He was a wealthy man. And towards one point of his life, he was homeless, he was begging, and he was scraping wounds of pus and, and itching himself with broken glass. You guys with me? I just want to make a parenthesis right here and let you know that the devil cannot touch you. You understand what I'm saying? The devil cannot touch you. And he can't even touch the things you own, the things you possess because it's yours. You understand what I'm saying? God allowed the devil in this one instance in all the scripture to touch everything this man possessed. But you know that you, we, we live under a new and better covenant, the Bible says. And we are washed by the blood of Jesus. And where the blood of Jesus is, the devil cannot touch. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are covered by the blood of Jesus. Everything you have is covered by the blood of Jesus because it's yours. Therefore, the devil cannot touch. So we are, are we secure in that, church? We must be secure in this, that the devil cannot touch your life. The devil cannot touch your health. You must claim this truth. The devil cannot touch your possessions. You must claim this truth. And if he has in the past, then you got to claim it back. You understand what I'm saying? It is your right to claim it back. So in the story of Job, he loses everything. And there's, there's three different perspectives about the story of Job. The first perspective about the story of Job is that his entire life was a test. Oh, and I don't know if you know this, but good news. At the end of his life, God restored um, Job 
up to three times of everything he possessed. Everything that the devil stole and the devil touched, God gave him back. God restored everything back. You guys with me? But there are three perspectives about the story the life of Job. The first one is that everything was a test. Everything was a test. But it's interesting because oftentimes we see in the book of Job, sometimes even Job himself and his friends blaming God for what took place. But actually, it wasn't God at all in any point. It was the devil. You understand what I'm saying? God wasn't testing anybody. It was the devil. The second perspective is the one that I want to share with you because it has to do with this message. Look at what it says in Job chapter 3, verse 25. It says, for the things that I feared comes upon me, and what I have dreaded befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Okay, what's going on here? What's this perspective on the life and the story of Job? And how does this have to do with our message? Well, look at this. Watch this. It was the vision. It was the picture that Job built that came to pass. Let me repeat this. It was what Job feared. It was the picture that he had built, constructed, that actually came to pass. Do you understand what I'm saying? He himself says, that which I feared, that thing that I feared came upon me. I don't know if you know this, but faith works. Faith works. In the case of Job, it was negative faith working against him. But it works the same way. It was negative faith working against himself. Because oftentimes, like Job, instead of building a good picture about our future, a good picture about our kids, a good picture about God, a good picture about ourselves, a good, healthy, godly picture about our marriage, we're accepting the picture that we are seeing currently. We're giving strength and feeding what we are seeing with our natural eyes. Instead of gaining God's perspective, we, we see the mistake, we see the wrong, we see the problem, we see the issue, and we strengthen the issue by fearing it, by dreading it. And every day we wake up expecting the worst about that situation. We are always in expectancy of the worst. We're always in expectancy of getting fired, today's going to be my last day, or uh, today's the day that my marriage is going to fall apart, or today's the day that, that, that my finances are just going to, you know, disappear basically, right? Today's the day that, that, you know, we're always expecting bad and evil and the worst. But let me tell you that faith works. And this is exactly what took place in Job's life. He, he dreaded these things. He dreaded that one day everything he had would be taken away from him. He feared. That is the thing that he feared the most. And guess what? Because that was the picture and the image that he has built. And I don't know if you know this. Expectation is just another word for faith. Expectation and faith are very synonym. They're, they're synonym. They're basically the same thing. I don't know if you know faith, good faith, godly faith, is this expectation that you deposit in God. Well, he was expecting the worst. And guess what happened? 
exactly what he was expecting. Exactly what he dreaded. Exactly what he feared took place. And he says, I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Now, oftentimes I, I find myself in, in seasons and, and I see Christians and I see godly people. I see children of God. I mean, if you've, if you've embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that it, it, it was given to you the right for you to be called a child of God. It is your right, you're entitled to be called a child of the most high God. Isn't that wonderful news, church? I mean, he's your father. I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of benefits with that. Because he's your father, and he's a good father, not a wicked one. A good father, not an evil one. He knows how to, good, he knows how to give good gifts to his children. He knows how to take care of us properly. He provides for us. He's there for us. He's present. He's not absent. Anyway, but the thing that we fear, the thing that we expect, the image that we built, oftentimes is what's going to happen. It's, it's what's going to take place. And sometimes you have an image about a certain situation, a certain circumstance, because it's what's taking place, because it's already happening, because it's what's fact, because it's what you're seeing. But you know what? I challenge you today to switch perspectives. I challenge you today to switch, to, to, to destroy the image that you have of yourself or of these situations of your finances, of your life, of your future, of your calling, of your ministry, of your relationships, of your marriage, of your kids, of your health, of your future, whatever it is. I challenge you to switch the vision that you have for yourself with God's vision for you, with God's plans for you. I challenge you to do that today. And instead of expecting those things to keep happening, maybe they're already happening. And instead of expecting those things, those things to keep happening, instead of waking up and expecting the worst, instead of waking up and expecting, you know, today's going to be the day, wake up and say, I am highly favored because I am a child of God. I have an inheritance in Christ that cannot be stolen. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is with me. He's my banner. He's my strong tower. The devil can't touch me. I'm going to walk in a way that glorifies him. Yes, because what Job said, which many times is our reality, that we don't have rest, that we're not at ease, I'm not quiet. Why? There's voices, voices. There's, there's pressure everywhere. This is not what God has for you. This is not what God has for you. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. What? So if you are, and you are part of his kingdom, you are, you've been inserted into his kingdom, the Bible says. That God transferred you from the domain of the evil one, the devil, and placed you in his kingdom. You are under God's domain. If you are, and you are, then guess what? What you should be experiencing every day when you wake up in the morning, and every night when you go to bed, is what? Joy and peace. It's very clear. The Bible says that you have peace with God since you've been made right by the blood of Jesus. 
So what does that mean? You should constantly, 24-7, experience not an earthly, but a divine, godly, heavenly peace in your heart and in your mind. You understand what I'm saying? If there is no peace, then something's off. If you're not experiencing joy, then something's off. You know, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit contains joy and peace. You understand what I'm saying? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Let me just explain to you what that means. The Spirit of the living God, which is a real tangible person. He's not a wind. He's not a force. He's a person of God, the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the very person of God dwells with you. So therefore, you should be experiencing what? Peace and joy. Those are just fruit. In other words, a byproduct of having the very own presence of God with you 24-7. But you see, it's not an earthly joy. It's not a normal earthly kind of peace that the world offers based on external factors, based on things, based on the reports, based on what is fact, based on what you see. But it's divine. It's godly. It's heaven. It's beyond those things. It's in spite of those things. It's regardless of what you see, regardless of the reports. It's an inward peace that cannot be stolen. Why? Because it was not given by this word in the first place. You understand what I'm saying? So what is the image that you have of yourself? What are the things you expect? Do you wake up in the morning already feeling, oh man, today's going to be a drag. Do you wake up and say, shoot, I have so much to do. Oh man, you, you wake up already filling your heart with bad expectations because you know what's ahead. Oh man, I got to take care of that bill. Got to take care of this. So you, you wake up already with this weight on your shoulder. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many times do you do that? You know, like anyone in the, here in the house, you don't need to raise your hand. Anyone here in this room wakes up that way sometimes. Not every day. I'm not going to say every day, but sometimes. You're waking up and already filling your heart. Look at what you're filling your heart with. Look at what you're filling your mind with. Oh my gosh, I got those bills. Oh man, today I'm going to go to my, my job and that person is there. Or my boss is this or my colleague over there does that. You understand what I'm saying? Like we wake up already filling our hearts with these bad, evil expectations. Can I challenge you to wake up in the morning and say, I am highly favored. Not just favored, you're highly favored. Wake up in the morning and remind yourself that you're good. You have peace with God and that's all that matters. That you're right with God and that's all that matters. If you're right with him, that means you're under his care, under his favor. And that's, that's all that matters. And you know what? God can do what no attorney can do. God can do what no lawyer can do. God can do what no doctor can do. All of those professions are good and we should seek out those, 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 those people when we need. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not discarding those people. No, 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 no. Everyone is important. But guess what? Even when they don't, can't solve a situation, God still can. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's what I'm saying. God still can. Why? Because he is the God of the impossibles. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, God can do in one day. God can do in one week. God can do in one year what, what could take us five years, ten years. What didn't happen maybe in your life that you wanted to happen in, in five years, God can speed up the process and make it happen in six months. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? 
I believe this. I believe this. We should start switching our belief. We should start switching our mindset. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's chapter 19, one of those verses, it says that um, the people perish where there is no vision. The people perish where there is no vision. Or I could, we, we could also add where there is wrong vision, negative, destructive vision, opposite to God's vision, will also perish. Sometimes it's not that we have wicked visions, we just have no visions. Would you just hold on to this heavenly divine vision? And look, this is not positive thinking. I'm teaching you to walk under God's word. I'm teaching you to walk as a child of God. I'm teaching you to walk um, in your new identity before God. You know, Jimmy read this passage, beautiful, amazing passage. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, it says that we have been blessed. His, the version that he read of the Bible says that we have been lavished with all of heaven's blessings. Wow. God has poured out over your life all of his blessings. You are completely, totally, and wholly blessed. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So I'm teaching you to walk in newness of life. To walk as the blessed pe person, man or woman that you are. Because oftentimes, aren't we walking like Job, thinking that we're cursed? You're blessed and highly favored. You understand what I'm saying? So don't perish. Don't let your dreams perish. Don't let your future perish. Don't let your marriage perish. Don't let your life perish because of the wrong image that you've built. Start building a new, better vision for your life and for your future. God's vision. Heaven's vision for your life. What does God say about marriage? What does God say about you and your health? You understand what I'm saying? God, the Bible says that God is our provider. God is your provider. You know, the psalmist sings about this, that there, there is nothing that we shall need, nothing that we will be missing in this life. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says about our sickness that because of his wounds, because of Christ's wound on the cross, we have been healed. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, I always say this, Jesus is heaven's statement to who God is. In fact, the Bible does say this. That Jesus is the, the visible image of the invisible God. And this is what Jesus did. He never turned away one sick person. He healed all of them. What, is that, what, what does that mean? That God won't turn you away. God won't turn you away. There's nothing he cannot heal. God won't turn you away. There's nothing he cannot forgive. Oftentimes we are dismissing ourselves. Because of an image that we built, God does not dismiss you. You understand what I'm saying? Oftentimes we are disqualifying ourselves because of an image that we built. God is not disqualifying you. You understand what I'm saying? No one ever would be, no one would ever be qualified enough to do God's work. Yet he calls us in spite of ourselves. Why? It brings him glory. It makes sure to tell everybody that, hey, it was the spite of me. It was in spite of me. It was his grace on me. What is his favor on me? Because look at me. I, I'm really not qualified. But he qualifies the, the ones he called. It, that, that's how it works. That's how it works. You see, you need to start switching the vision that you have of yourself. And let me just finish with this. What is the most 
beautiful picture in Scripture that defines our future. In the New Testament, under this new covenant with God, made on better promises, this picture, this image that's hovering over our lives is a picture of the cross of Jesus and the resurrected Christ. What does the cross say about you? What is the cross in our lives, in your life? What is the cross? What did his sacrifice mean to you who believed? What does it mean today for you who, who believed, who placed your trust in him? Well, his cross means that you have been completely forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? His cross that's hovering over you, this image of the cross of Jesus that hovers over you, means that you've been completely, holy, totally, and entirely forgiven. And what does that mean? That you don't need to carry shame for your mistakes anymore. That you don't need to carry the fear, fear of punishment, fear of judgment anymore. That you, don't, you don't need to carry condemnation anymore. You understand what I'm saying, church? This is, this is really important. The Bible says, Romans 8, 1, it says that, Therefore, now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anyone here is in Christ Jesus? Come on. If you are in Christ, and you are, being in Christ just means that you've accepted him, that you've embraced what Christ has done for you. So if you're in Christ, and, that, and you are, that means that there is no more condemnation over you, hovering over you. What hovers over you is the cross. That even, it tells God you've been forgiven. And it tells yourself you've been forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? The cross was the bridge from you to God. There was a gap between you and God. The, but the cross bridged that gap. You've been brought near to him. <laughs> now you have full access to him. Why? Because of the cross. You have access to all of his blessings. You have access to his grace and his favor. You understand what favor is? Favor is not something you earn. Favor is not something you deserve. Favor is not something you worked for. Favor is not something you merit. No. Favor is in spite of those things. You understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, it wouldn't be called favor. It would be called reward or payment. But we're talking about favor. We're talking about grace. I'm telling you, you're highly favored. You know, oftentimes we don't receive God's favor, and that which we dread takes place instead of God's plans being realized. It's what we expect, what we dreaded, what we feared. Why? Because we are outside of His favor. Are we outside of His favor because of something we've done? No. We're outside of His favor because we're dishonoring the cross. How do we dishonor the cross when we reject it by saying, I'm not worthy of it? It sounds spiritual, sounds godly, sounds nice and cute and all, but you're dishonoring the cross. Because the cross was for the undeserving. The cross was for the unworthy. The cross was for the disqualified. The cross was for the sinners and the chief of sinners. The cross was for us fallen, rebellious people. You understand what I'm saying? To forgive us, to restore us, to redeem us, to bring us near to God. And that's exactly what took place. 
that moment that Jesus offered himself for as a sin sacrifice before God. So now you have access to him. You see how it's important that you have a right image of yourself. Because if you're going about in this life feeling like you're still carrying part of the guilt for your sins, part of the shame or fear of con or condemnation, that, that, my friend, will be a huge barrier in your life between you and God. Because you know this. People that fear God, they, they don't go toward God. They run from God. You know, and I went, went parts, seasons of my life where I thought that I was still carrying part of the shame and, and for the things that I've done, I've noticed that I was, I was hiding from God. I was still trying to get involved in all. I was still trying, I was still going to church and the church service and I was still going to life group. But I noticed that in my own personal life, I was just hiding from God. I was just not responding to God in the level that, that I knew I could, that I knew I should. And oftentimes, maybe that's, that's you. What's the image that you have of God? What's the image that you have of yourself? When God says that his plans for your marriage, for the relationship you have with your spouse is, is the same plans that he has in regards to himself and you. Just as Christ is the bridegroom and you are the bride, and he wants to approach you in this perfect relationship, that's the same plans that he has for you and your spouse. That in between you, you'd share the love of Christ. That in between you, you'd share the joy of Christ. You understand what I'm saying, church? What's the image that you have? Oftentimes we think that being godly and being spiritual is, is, is being poor. Maybe sometimes we equate being rich, being wealthy to or having enough and abounding in enough to something that's not necessarily godly. But let me tell you, let me teach you one thing. If God wants to prosper you, maybe so that you can lead others to prosperity. Maybe so that you can be a blessing to those around you. Maybe so that you can be a blessing to his kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Of course, the blessing is not for yourself. The prosperity is not for yourself. But prosperity is godly. It's not godly when that takes over your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You understand what I'm saying? If you think money is evil, then you're, you're free to give me all your money and rid yourself of evil. <laughs> same, Bernard said same. So if you want to give him all your money, you get rid of evil. You see, God does not have a life of misery for us. God does not wish that we would live in unrest and that we would not ever be at ease and that that we would, would be living expecting trouble and that we can never actually be quiet and still 